This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. There are stories that bring to light certain things that you wouldn't otherwise know about. You wouldn't otherwise learn about. And if we think about stem cell transplants, something we've heard about, right? But do you know what it means to be a stem cell donor? Do you know what it means to have a stem cell transplant and and what that might do? No, no. I And I don't either. But you learn pretty quickly when your child is involved. And that's exactly what has happened for a family in Windsor. And the call has gone out in this area, in that area, in Windsor, in Hamilton, to try to find a match, to try to find what would be a stem cell donor for a little girl who is 18 or 19 months old. And it's not easy to find a match. But first, why don't we bring you the story? Lawrence Hill is the father of Savannah. And Savannah has leukemia. And Lawrence, maybe to begin, you could help us just to understand Savannah's battle with leukemia and and maybe a little bit more about what she's dealing with right now. Yeah, so I mean, um, her bone marrow is not producing blood cells. Um, of all three lines, um, white, red, and platelets. So what happens is uh, the leukemia goes into the bone marrow and starts to infiltrate those cells, uh, stops the production, and leaves her transfusion dependent. Um, So she needs weekly platelet and blood transfusions. Um, The chemotherapy ends up uh, wiping out all of the cancer, uh, which can be pretty crummy, you know, it can make her feel a little bit nauseated or not want to eat for the couple of weeks. Um, and then she'll bounce right back and uh, be back to normal. So it's uh, up and hell, uh, up and down roller coaster ride um, constantly. Every time, uh, every time she feels better and her cells start to um, develop and, and produce uh, normally, then it's time for chemo again. So uh, that's kind of the struggles that we face. And, uh, but as I said, through the whole thing, she smiles, laughs, and uh, and tries to act her normal self. So, uh, yeah, uh, at least we have a bright outlook uh, from that standpoint. And how long have you been going through this kind of cycle that has developed? Yeah, so we, we've been here at the Children's Hospital for four months. Um, she's on her second round of chemo now, so I would say roughly two months we had no diagnosis. We just watched all the negative effects from the cancer take toll. She stopped walking, didn't want to eat anymore, had fevers for weeks. Um, and we're talking fevers that are like life-threatening to an adult, um, like in the 40s. So having a fever of like, you know, 40 degrees, is that's no joke. And, um, you know, you start to worry and you have no hope. You don't have diagnosis or any insight of where to go. But uh, for at least the last two months, we've been in, uh, as I say, that roller coaster ride between being healthy and then going back on chemo. So there's always a different uh, thing thrown at us, it seems. But um, you know, we're moving forward and, and, and we're getting there, and we're, we're just hoping to have uh, a perfect match for that donor card on the table uh, for if that time is ever needed. We're talking with Lawrence Hill, whose daughter Savannah just turned 19 months old, right? That's right. 
So just turned 19 months old and has been battling leukemia and now is looking for that stem cell match. And we talked going into the interview about White Oaks Mall from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday. If you are between the ages of 17 and 35, you can go in. It takes a little cheek swab, and you never know. You might be that match. And what would that match enable doctors to do for Savannah? So um, what happens when you get a stem cell transplant? They're looking for a donor that um, hopefully can match all 10 points of Savannah's genetic buildup so that it sticks better in her body. Um, You can actually reject a donor, um, and then the transplant is unsuccessful. At that point, uh, you have... Sorry, bear with me. Mm -hmm. You'll have the worst discussion in your life. At that point, it's just uh, basically talking about uh, how to make her comfortable. Yeah, so we need... We have to have that match. She needs that match. Um... Now, if the game plan changes, that that is because she's fought this thing on her own. Um, It's just said that uh, there's a poor prognosis with her specific type of leukemia because it's actually very, very rare. Um, The entire um, world doesn't actually have a lot of evidence to prove um, what direction to take with this type of leukemia. So um, we're, we're praying that, you know, that that card doesn't need used, but it is in the talks. It is on the table. And we met with the transplant team. Uh, we're taking it day by day, and we're looking for that 10 out of 10 so that, uh, you know, this uh, can become a success. And the more people we have registered, the more people who can compare what their stem cell makeup is, the greater the chance that you find that 10 out of 10. Lawrence, thank you so much for taking some time for us. Give Savannah a big hug for us, and uh, let's get more people out on Saturday to find that 10 out of 10 match. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. Lawrence Hill. He's from Windsor, and right now... One of his little girls, 19-month-old Savannah, is looking for a stem cell match. And she's, of course, not the only person in this world looking for a stem cell match. But again, that registry becomes a big key here because this is not like looking for a blood donor match. Like we said, there's a pretty finite number of blood types, and as much as we still need blood donation and we need greater reserves and those sorts of things, you know, Savannah's been going through blood transfusions now for months. You need to have a stem cell match. And so what they're looking for is males especially between the ages of 17 and 35. And anybody really can can get, you know can get into this, especially between the ages of 17 and 35. That's that's one of those windows. We're actually going to speak tomorrow with somebody from Canadian Blood Services. I've, uh, I've made that decision right now because we need to find out more about that. And so we'll get an expert on who can help us to understand why that range or whether if you fall outside that range, you... You can't be a donor and why that is. So we'll discuss that. But anyone between the ages of 17 and 35, and they're making it pretty easy, they are having a a clinic at White Oaks Mall from 11 to 3 on Saturday, so 11 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon. And all you have to do is get a cheek swab, and then you are into that registry, and who knows? You might not be a match for Savannah. You might be a match for somebody else. 
and you might wind up being able to save their life. You know, we're learning more and more about stem cells every day and what they can do. They can basically grow into anything that is needed. It's it's magical, but they need matches. And so that's why Savannah's story brings this out into the open. And thanks to the Hills for being so open about it. If we could fast forward time, maybe do, what, the year 2100, 2150? I don't know if we're still here, but let's just pretend that we were here. Maybe not us, but future generations. And those future generations were taking a course in school called American History. Of course, by that time, they'll probably just be able to upload whatever information they need and go about their merry way. But let's say they were doing it the old-fashioned way. What would they look back upon 2020 in American history and see? How would it be interpreted? It's going to be fascinating to read that for anyone who's around and still needs to read it in 2100 or maybe 2130. Joining us right now is a guy who can help to at least decipher what's going on in 2020 without the added strain of history class and exams. Please welcome Reggie Cicchini, Global News, Washington Bureau correspondent to London Live. Reggie, State of the Union address, impeachment trial. Is there anything else anyone is talking about in Washington right now? No. Well, I mean, they're talking about the end of the impeachment trial and the day after the State of the Union address and then a kind of couple of days of silence until we head into the election in uh, New Hampshire next Monday. So, I mean, we've got 48 hours potentially of a almost quiet or regular news cycle. Okay. well, even we won't touch too much on the impeachment trial, but I'd love to get your thoughts on that very quickly. Exactly what are people saying when it comes to the conclusion of what went on? Well, I mean, look, Democrats are continuing with their conversation by saying that the Republican Party is no longer loyal to the party. They're simply loyal to their leader and they're bending and changing the rules to, uh, you know, lay out a possible precedent down the road that allows for a president to essentially do what he or she wants without any kind of consequence. And that's what we've been hearing Democrats say for the last several months. Republicans, they're coming out in droves to say, sure, maybe what the president did was wrong. Maybe if you had put the article of impeachment about bribery, we would have found him guilty on that. But we don't found, uh, find that he abused his power, and we don't think that he obstructed Congress, so we don't think that anything should happen to the president. It just goes to show that there is a very strong uh, partisan divide, not only in the country, but directly down the line of Congress. And some of those potential Republican swing votes actually kind of hinted at, well, you know, let's just let the voters decide. This had to be the plan all along. Well, I mean, it, it may have been the plan. I think some of the confusion came from the more moderate Republicans like Susan Collins, who signaled maybe she would vote to convict Trump. Maybe she wouldn't vote to convict Trump. And, you know, we're finding out from these Republican moderates that there's a lot of them are just lining up with their party, despite the fact that they're out loud saying, sure, what the president did was wrong. And in some cases, they're saying maybe he's actually learned his lesson. I think the most interesting one is Lamar Alexander, who today on the House on the floor of the Senate said that it isn't up to uh, the Senate to remove a president who has done something wrong, which is clearly defined in the Constitution that they are allowed to do that. But this is also a Republican senator who thinks the president did something wrong and is also not running for re-election, so would have had nothing to lose by voting with you know his conscience and not just voting by party line. 
Interesting. Reggie Cicchini, or Reggie Cicchini joining us right now, Global News, Washington correspondent. Let's turn to the State of the Union address and even the way that it began, where you have Nancy Pelosi ripping up Donald Trump's speech, Donald Trump refusing to shake her hand. It, is, is there anything more to read into that than children behave? Look, I mean, it, 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 it's very clearly showing that there is, uh, you know, a bit of uh, of a tumultuous time that's kind of reaching a boiling point in Washington. You know, the president had a number of political missteps last year. He had some policy follies last year that Democrats really haven't been able to get over. And the president has also been unwilling to work with Democrats on a number of different kind of legislative moves to try and get the country rolling forward. And I think that between that and the heat of impeachment, it's just kind of created a rift that is almost impossible now to sew back together between the president, between uh, Speaker Pelosi and between the Democrats. And we saw that play out on stage last night, whether or not it was a snubbing of a handshake, whether or not it was the ripping up of the speech or whether or not it was just simply Democrats sitting down and not giving any kind of ovation or applause to the president, but giving the ovation and applause to the people that were in the crowd. <laughs> it, it makes you chuckle from afar. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of Americans who are not chuckling right now, but the divided sides, is this something that we've, we've can point back to and say, don't worry, you know, this happens from time to time, or, or do we get the sense that this is as divided as the sides have ever been? Well, I mean, in any state of the union, you're always going to have members of the opposing party who either don't stand up or who jeer the president uh, because they simply don't align themselves politically or because they simply are just not a fan of that president. It happened during Barack Obama's State of the Union a few years ago. Uh, he was talking about health care and a Republican member shouted out at him, you lie. And it led to everybody kind of looking over in shock that somebody would disrespect the president. But this is now a, a, this is a new era. This is a president who walks in and the GOP starts chanting four more years as if they're at a Make America Great Again rally, while Democrats sit there silently all dressed in white, uh, kind of paying attention to Nancy Pelosi as she puts her hand up to silence everybody. Unbelievable. Well, Reggie, thank you for covering it as well as you do. Please keep up the good work. Need to get a nap in there first. I bet. I bet. Good luck with that. That is Reggie Cicchini, Global News, Washington correspondent on the State of the Union Address and the end of the impeachment trial. And now, what is next? Well, New Hampshire. And that's kind of the, the next thing. And can everybody get it together so that they can have less of a kerfuffle over getting results? I mean, that, that was a mess. How How is this a thing? You know, we always look, and I guess maybe we expect too much out of government. We expect too much out of officials. And I don't even know why that is. Because historically, we're burned all the time by government officials. There are some that do a fantastic job, but we get burned a lot by government officials thinking that somehow they are different or that somehow a government process is going to be immune to the equivalent of us pulling something out of our fridge and dropping it on the floor. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that would not happen with a government-sanctioned activity. No, they, they would have people looking after that that would prevent that from falling on the floor. There's no way. And we are left to clean up the salad dressing. They're cleaning up the salad dressing in exactly the same way. And somehow we expect that not to be the case. And then it is. Hanging chads. And then I don't even know what happened in Iowa. But good luck if that's the way that it's going to play out. And in the end, you know, the Democratic Party hasn't been able to get out of its own way anyway. Craig Needles brought up an amazing point the other day. He pointed to the number of people 
who have been sitting presidents and have been reelected. And the times when they haven't, few and far between, why that is. The economy has to be a mess or, you know, people have to lose complete confidence in the individual that's there. And none of those things have truly happened. Donald Trump is going to have his followers, and they are as loud as they come. One of the things that you need to have if you're going to be a successful politician is the ability to mobilize your followers. And you want to bet that the Donald Trump followers are mobilized. You know, a lot of the Democratic followers, if they've got no one to inspire them, and I'm sorry, somebody in their 70s trying to start something new is sometimes uplifting. But when it's trying to become the president, you think, this is the same old stuff. And if that person is the person who gets in, if we're feeling the burn, if that's happening, then you know what? That's... That's not right, because that person's just getting in because they've just been there. Well, they've paid their dues. Yeah, they missed the boat. The boat left 20 years ago. Find somebody to give new blood to this. Find somebody to give a new outlook to this. The advertising campaign is on for Michael Bloomberg. I don't know what's going to happen there. But seriously, they haven't been able to get out of their own way. So what does that mean for all of us? I don't know. More shenanigans. More children. Stop behaving like that. You know, stop hitting your sister. Stop. Hey, hey, do not give a wet willy to your little brother when he's in the back seat of the car. He's in his seatbelt. He can't move. Save that for when you're out. That's the kind of stuff that's going on. And maybe it's entertaining to watch. It's also sad and pathetic at the same time. There are people who do pointless, self-serving things in life, like that guy on the Jamaica flight. I don't even want to know his name. I don't know his name. I don't want to know his name. I don't want to hear what music he has. I want nothing to do with that guy. I want someone to think up a punishment that somehow doesn't fit the crime, because the crime, you know, there are a lot worse crimes than what he did, but I want something that just takes him away from the spotlight forever. Get rid of that guy. Because there are people that will do things that are completely pointless and self-serving that harm others. A flight bound for Jamaica. A lot of people very excited to go to Jamaica, enjoy some sunshine. Had to turn around because of this guy because he wanted to make a viral video and he admitted it. Hated it. So there's that end of the spectrum. And then if we go all the way to the other end of the spectrum, keep coming, keep coming. Nope, further, further, further. Okay, are we the other end of the spectrum? I'm bumping my nose against something. Yes, this is the other end of the spectrum. We find our good friend Abe Oudsorn, who is not getting on a flight and doing things like that, but I think he might be boarding a flight every once in a while, unless he's planning to cycle in between these things. He is going to do 30 triathlons in 30 days. And he is doing it, maybe a little bit for his own health, but no, he is doing it to help out LOHSA, Native Family Healing Services Incorporated. 
And he is looking for donations right now to GoFundMe if you go to 30-triathlons-in30-30-days. So put in the dashes between the words because you kind of have to. So GoFundMe.com, 30-triathlons-in30-days, you'll find out all about it. But we have things even better because we have Abe right here to tell us more about it. Abe, thank you, first of all, for being who you are. Oh, well, <laughs> you know. Thanks uh, for having me on, and uh, let me share about my, what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, uh, we know based on the name of the GoFundMe that it's 30 triathlons in 30 days. Uh, please tell me there are some rest days in between. Well, I was thinking of uh, of taking uh, 2021 as a rest year instead. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, no rest days in between. I'm going straight through. So and, you're doing, uh, you're literally yeah. doing 30 triathlons in 30 days. Yep. Hello? Hello. Can you hear me all right? Sorry, I, th- I think my disbelief may have disconnected us. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm taking it every morning. And okay. So getting up nice and early and getting in the pool and um, just try to uh, obviously, uh, you know, pace it carefully and easy and, um, you know, Put a real stretch goal in there and, and see if I can inspire folks to, uh, to contribute. Love it. Okay, so let's talk about what constitutes a triathlon. Uh, give us a sense of what you are accomplishing just on a daily basis for 30 days. Sure. So it's a swim, a bike, and a run. And uh, I obviously, you know, given the weather conditions, I'm doing these all indoor at the Y. And it's a 750-meter swim. It's a 20-kilometer spin and a 5-kilometer run. Man, and I think we need to put some perspective on that because how many meters long would the pool be at the Y? Yeah, so it's a 25-meter pool. That's what I thought, and that's still far. Anybody who has ever swum one length of the pool, uh, so you're going to do that more than once. You're going to do it worth 750 meters. I can't even do that math in my head. Yeah, it's 30, 30 lengths, so at that point, you're a little bit like a, a pinball or a ping pong or something <laughs> going yeah. back and forth there. So 30 lengths, and then you jump on the bike. Yep. And how far are you going? The 20K takes me about uh, between 40 and 45 minutes on the bike. And then just zoom on over to the treadmills, and how far yep. are you running there? So 5K on the treadmill. Whew. Okay, so 30 lengths of the pool, 20K on the bike, and then 5K on the treadmill, and it constitutes a triathlon, and you are going to be doing this 30 days in a row, and there has to be a very good reason for it. So, Abe, let's talk about the reason that you are inspired to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I think everyone in London knows that it's been a really tough couple of years around housing and homelessness issues. We've seen more and more people uh, sleeping rough. We've seen shelters full up. And so I was really wanting to to find a way to contribute uh, to that good work that's being done. And so at LOSA in particular, they've opened up uh, 10 what they call resting spaces, which are places where folks in the, the deepest crisis can have a place to go. These might even be folks who have been kicked out of the other shelters in town and so Atlos is really, uh, you know, stretching themselves in terms of, of working uh, with these folks night after night after night. And so I wanted to, to raise some money to support that uh, incredible work to make sure that everyone is, is safe in our community, no matter what they're struggling with in the moment. 
Abe Oudshorn joining us, and Abe is going to be taking part in 30 triathlons over 30 days, raising money for the Losa Native Family Healing Services. And again, you can find his GoFundMe page by going to GoFundMe.com and searching 30 triathlons in 30 days. And when you look at, at what a donation might mean, how do we put that into perspective about how this can be used by Losa? Yeah, so, uh, you know, what's what's important for me is that these funds go right into direct service to help folks out. And uh, so when I was looking at, uh, at what kind of goal and uh, and what Londoners I, I felt could get behind, uh, raising $10,000 for this organization uh, is, is so important because that can fund direct staff uh, to make sure that these uh, these beds stay open for people and that, uh, you know, people can be off the street. They can be somewhere safe uh, until they're able to find uh, find some help and, and find their home. And so this is, yeah, this is money that's going directly to, to care for people uh, experiencing homelessness. Again, Abe, thanks for living at the end of the spectrum that you do. Best of luck with this. When does it officially begin? Hey, I have started. I'm at day three now. So you're talking to us I- having done triathlons already? You don't even sound winded. Well, you know, I just got up from my nap, but <laughs> don't tell my boss. So, All right. Can we check in around day 25 and see how things are going? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm, of course, I'm feeling still pretty good right now, feeling still pretty fresh. Uh, but I'd love to, to check in with you uh, when it's uh, later on, see if we're, we're meet, meeting our goal for the fundraising, see how I'm feeling. And uh, just really wanted to thank all the folks. I've got people who've come out to join me in the mornings, keep me company on these first couple of days, and, of course, tons of people uh, contributing financially as well. So really thankful to Londoners for getting behind this. Great stuff. Go to GoFundMe.com and check out 30 triathlons in 30 days. Abe, go have a stretch. All right. Thanks. Take care. That's Abe Oudsorn. And Abe is at the other end of the spectrum. So you got the guy on the plane, completely self-serving, then you got Abe Oudsorn. I don't know about you. I'd rather be closer to Abe Oudsorn than the guy whose name will never be mentioned on this show. I don't even want to know who he is. Please make that guy go away. You've been listening to the London Live Podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.